Hey, horse lovers. This is a recording of a conversation that I had with some online students um, in September of 2022. I hope you enjoy the content. And if you're curious about getting some coaching from me, please reach out anytime you like. Check out my website at www.thecoachchristy.com. Um, so what, what I want to talk to you guys about this week is our ability to adjust to fit the situation in regards to our horsemanship, right? But it's also a life skill, right? That um, being able to stay present with what's happening in front of me right now and then make micro to macro adjustments based on the results I'm getting right now right? Not like what I think I should be getting or what I hoped I'd be getting or what happened yesterday or two weeks ago or with another horse, right? All of those things can influence the way that we're receiving the feedback that we're getting from our horses. And all of that will warp your um, approach, right? And it needs to not do that. The, the, most important skill I think that most of us could benefit from gaining would be the ability to be present in this moment, to be present right now and be able to take the feedback that we are getting from our horses, good, bad, or ugly, right? And make the smallest possible adjustments as they're happening. If we do that, then we're more likely to get to a quicker result. But what happens oftentimes, and to myself included, all right, I'm not at all exempt from this situation. I am, I am in the choir. I am not preaching from the pulpit. I'm right there in the pews with you, okay? <clears throat> but um, what happens is we have it in our head what we think should be happening or, or even we're not even thinking about our horses, right? We're not mentally connecting to them. We're worried about like, how much time do I got today? Um, uh, what task am I working on? What, what's my to-do list? What's for dinner? You know, what does my husband need for me today? What do the kids need? You know, whatever the, the constant, like, you know, pulls on our attention. <clears throat> so I think that the biggest thing we can work on is being able to train our focus. And, um, it's one of those things that it is, you know, a life skill that will help us across the board. Right. So, <clears throat> One of the things that I learned when I was um, in cult starts was to be more observant. And in order to be more observant, we have to quiet the inner voice, right? That, and be able to use all of our senses to take in all of the information there is for us at all times all around us, right? We have to be able to use our sense of hearing. Um, so earlier this year, what was it in the springtime that I had an ear infection? I couldn't hear out of my left ear. That was driving me nuts. I'm like, I cannot have my hearing impaired. I need that. I use it. I use my sense of hearing a lot, not just to take in the information that my horse is giving me, but to keep track of who, what, you know, what is happening in my environment. Very little surprises me, especially if I'm with a tense horse, <laughs> because I am keeping track of so much information as to what's going on around me that it would be hard to sneak up on me. Um, so, you know, even as I sit here, I can take in a lot of information with my ears while I'm talking to you. I can hear a car going down the road 
It's going away from my house. So it's nothing I need to worry about. You know, I can hear all the bugs and the wind and things like that. But for me, a car coming is a big, is a big noise to know about, right? Like if somebody comes up the driveway and they try to come to the barn and Gina didn't see him coming, like, I want to know about that and be able to predict what's likely to happen so I can make the smallest possible adjustment, right? So if I, oh, I almost got nailed by an acorn. Did you hear that? It was like a bomb. It fell down on the bench that I'm sitting at. Um, that's a sign of fall. The fall is happening. Autumn is coming. <laughs> um, the deer will love it. Uh, so if I'm on Gina and I hear a car coming, the next thing I'm going to do is check in with her, right? I'm going to think to myself, how is this affecting you? Are you getting tense? Is there any sign that I need to get down right now? Do you need my, what do you need my help with right now? If she stays relaxed and connected and responsive, then I just carry on. But if I feel any shift in any of those things, if I stop getting sevens or higher in relaxation, confidence, and, and um, responsiveness, then I'm probably going to get down. I'm going to get down way before I even know who that is coming up the driveway, right? If I am observant enough in the moment as things are happening, then I can make small adjustments. I can make small corrections that can help us get back on track or stay on track versus if I didn't notice a car coming up the driveway, right? And then somebody coming out of the car to the arena and, and if it surprises us both big adjustments might be necessary <laughs> and so I you know I'd like to avoid that as much as possible so um, when it comes to specifically with our horsemanship right in order to adjust we need to have a very specific plan all right we need to have three to five things that you are specifically working on both on the ground and ridden, like all together, three to five things, not three to five things on the ground and the three to five things ridden. I usually have, it depends on which horse, right? Up until now, it's been three, three things with Gina on the ground and one thing ridden. <laughs> and with Vanna, it's one thing on the ground and three things ridden, okay? But I have every, every week at the beginning of the week, I have an idea as to what I'm working on that week. At the end of the week, after I've worked on those things at least three times, right? So um, it, it, for me, I'm a lucky girl and this is my job. So I usually get four or five times a week, right? <laughs> In the arena. That did not help my cause. There we go, it's a little better. There's no, it's, I like to be out here, but the light is weird. All right, you just stare at my mouth and not see my eyeballs. Um, I, I, uh, so I'm a lucky girl. I get to play with my horses four to five days a week. It's, it's pretty common in the summertime to get five days a week. Okay. So I have a plan for each horse for the, those five days. I don't change that plan very often unless like something remarkable happens where like they have an epiphany and it feels wrong to keep going with the plan I had. Right. So, um, uh, I, I stick to those three to five things. And then at the end of the week, I think to myself, is it good, right? Is that task good now? Does it, or does it need continued attention? Does it need more myelin on the neural pathways in order for it to be an established behavior? All right, you can't, it's not effective to, to not have a plan, all right? It's not effective to go out and go, well, I'll just see what happens. I base my plan on what I think might happen, 
right? I, I base my things that I'm working on, on depending on what my horse's challenges are, right? So um, Gene and I have spent a lot of time uh, developing the, the behaviors in the connection relaxation module. We're going to start adding confidence things now because I want to expand or widen her window, um, right? So relaxation strategies give me access to her window of trainability. Confidence strategies help me wide in the window. Okay. So two, two different skill sets there, right? Um, where, um, uh, Vanna, we're working on bending, right? So we're, I'm doing things both on the ground and ridden to improve her flexibility. And I imagine we're going to be at that for a while. So, um, I'm not going to, um, change my plan until my results improve. Okay. That's how I formulate the plan. And sometimes it doesn't even matter what you pick, right? Just pick two or three things you'd, you'd like to achieve and then start working on it and evaluate your results and adjust your approach accordingly. Then, then in order to execute your plan, you have to have a picture in your mind as to what it is you want to have happen. You have to have a good mental image of what your plan lo should look like, all right? It's the only way to know if you're on track or off track. How can you expect to make adjustments and be able to catch those little you know, moments where it gets off track a little bit so that you can make small adjustments if you don't have a clear picture in your mind as to what it is you're asking for, right? So if you don't have a clear picture, you need a visual aid, right? That, that can be, um, did you lose me? No, okay. We're, she'll catch up. It's internet's challenging. I had so many internet challenges today. That was half of my um, office issues. Um, so you have to get clarity in your vision. All right. You can use YouTube. You can use Happy Horse, Happy Life. You can use our Facebook group. Right. There's lots of examples of um, things that you could work on in there that will give you a visual. Oh, I hope that cloud stick that. The sun stays behind that cloud, all right? But you have to have a visual, right? There's no way to provide clarity for your horse if you can't visualize what it is you want. Then the next thing you have to have is a feeling for what that thing should feel like, especially if it's a ridden thing, because it's harder, you can't see it as much when you're riding. You have to feel it. What should it feel like? And if you need clarity on that, I'll try my best to help describe it to you, okay? But if you, if you don't at least try to imagine what it will feel like, you will not be able to adjust according to your horse's feedback, all right? So you need a plan, you need a picture, and you need a feeling. Without those three ingredients, you won't be able to make adjustments that cause the least amount of stress for both you and your horse, all right? Now, all that being said, I screw it up all the time. Okay, so don't don't think that just because I know the right words to say right now that that means I got it all figured out and I never, you know, mess it up. I do. I have, you know, it's in it's important for you guys to really know that I don't show the ugliest parts to you. I know a lot of you. Um, I get a lot of positive feedback with the um, results I'm getting with Gina and I'm, I'm glad for it. Thank you for your support. But guys. There have been ugly parts, so <laughs> ugly. I 
had rope burns for weeks when I first got her. Like she took me sand skiing all the time. And in when after I took her to campus and discovered she was an elegant bucker, um, I didn't ride her for a year, right? And then when I did start riding her, I would sit on her and get back off. Ta-da! Like those were my big accomplishments. Those were the big things that we were doing, okay? You, I want you to know that um, I have not gotten to a spot in my horsemanship journey where everything's just all sunshine and rainbows and I'm singing kumbaya every day at the end of my sessions and stuff. And just like you, I'm uncomfortable sharing that with the ugly parts with the public. All right. So, you know, but I will tell, I, I don't want to show you, but I will tell you it has happened. It does happen. Um, it's been a little bit, I will admit, it's been a little bit since I had um, too terrible of a time with uh, any of my horses. I said that not that long ago. I didn't, I had a, like, a couple weeks ago, didn't I? I had a bad ride on Gina after I had like three good ones in a row. And then I'm, then I took her to the are arena and she was just all like snorty and snatchy and stuff. And so, um, I adjusted, right. And, and then it improved. So, um, the, the moral of all of the story is right. Is, uh, you have to, be observant, right? Take everything in as much information as you possibly can. And in order to do that, you have to be present, right? You can't have, um, you know, a, an emotional attachment to future expectations. You can't be beating yourself up about things that you decided were a mistake you made in the past. You have to be right there in the moment with your horse. You have to have a plan. That's why I made those lists for you guys. A plan just means what am I going to work on? right? What are my goals? What, you know, it, and honestly, it's somewhat arbitrary, like whatever floats your boat. I don't, I don't care what it is. It can be something big, even, um, as long as you're willing to adjust your approach and break it down and, um, you know, we can figure it out together, but you have to have a plan that you are putting into place in a systematic way. It can't be willy nilly. We can't, you know, choose randomly and make it different every time we go to ride or even every other time we go to ride it has to have some consistency in order for it to take effect then um, you have to get a good visual and that needs to come from somewhere you gotta see with your eyeballs <laughs> okay and then um, if you have to make up a feeling but you know if you feel like you don't know how to um, decide what it should feel like let's talk about it I'll try to point you in the right direction okay so there, there you go. That's my, my, um, my lecture for this week is, uh, and you have to be ready to adjust. And those adjustments come based on your plan, your picture, and your feeling. You're going to use pressure to guide your horse when they get off track. All right. Pressure is information. And so it needs to come in a, in a way that doesn't cause confusion or, um, you know, defensiveness or outbursts and things like that if it happens to it's not the end of the world but we'll adjust as we go along right if I apply pressure and instead of my horse taking that as information she takes it you know as an offense then I'm going to adjust I'm going to adjust how much pressure I use if I add pressure and nothing happens I'm going to adjust I'm going to add more pressure I'm going to take blood you know take some away I'm going to adjust okay um so 
uh, that, that, that it just, that one skill to be able to be present and, and, and hear your horse's feedback and then adjust the way you clarify accordingly is going to be huge, right? You just have to be ready to adjust. Okay. So Jerry says plan, picture, feeling, and follow through. I like that, Jerry. I like the follow through added there. I have the first three and then get slightly different results and kind of say, I guess that's okay. That's when she has to, that's what she has to offer today. And listen, I'm more on the conservative side too, when it comes to like, is that a realistic expectation or, you know, what, what can I realistically expect to achieve today? That sort of thing. I'd rather err on that side and leave my horse and myself feeling like a winner than err on the side of expecting too much and both of us feeling like a failure at the end of our session. But um, also, I do know that I, it's important to understand that in order for us to continue to stay motivated, we do need moments of feeling success, right? Little bursts of like, Ooh, I, I figured that out or that's working or that's getting better. That it's a, it's a burst of dopamine is what it is. All right. So you, if you want to know what gets you through the tough parts, dopamine, <laughs> you, you need to have some exposure to a little brief, even, you know, minute, like that's why I celebrate the small things so much. Cause if I celebrate those small steps, that gives me dopamine. Right. And then when I get you guys to celebrate it with me, it enhances my dopamine. Right. So I do that on purpose because otherwise I would stop trying. Gina has been so difficult. I really, I'm going to send you guys a video. I'm going to share with you a video from our ride today. It was so good. We tried it down the rail. It was so good that I feel like, I feel like it's a trick. <laughs> like something's, some, it's like witchcraft or something. Somebody's tricking me. That's not really happening because I've had such a long time with her where. I was constantly questioning whether or not we were going to be able to do this. I've shared that with you guys. I'm like, well, maybe I'm going to have to accept that, you know, she's just not going to be a riding horse. She's, you know, be a ground skills horse or thought about breeding her and all those things. I'm glad I stuck it out, but just know that no matter what the activity is, whether it's horses or, um, you know, some other hobby, if you don't get regular intervals of dopamine, you will stop doing it right? The, the nervous system will go that this is not good for us and you'll find something else to do. But the other thing is, is the meaning that you make up about your results will ca either cause dopamine or cortisol, <laughs> right? So um, regardless of how much progress you make or don't make, whatever you decide the meaning of that is, um, will decide whether or not you feel frustrated or you feel fascinated. Okay, that, that is a personal um, choice that we make on a regular basis. Now, those choices that we make are based on conditioning, right? And however strong your conditioning is, how many years you've been rehearsing your conditioning on the meaning that you make up about the results you are getting. I'm going to say that again because that was a lot of words. The, 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 the meaning that you attach to your results is based on your life's conditioning, right? So if you decide like, okay, this is hard, but we'll figure it out. That's a result of your life's conditioning. If you decide this is hard and I give up, that's a result of your life's conditioning. Both of those things are valid and a choice that we make, okay? And, and the way that we make those choices um, 
is based on how we are wired. And a, a lot of that wiring, we didn't, we did not consent to uh, and had no awareness of because most of it happened in our childhood, right? So a, a lot of, of what we believe we can or cannot do is childhood conditioning. And, and so if you have some conditioning that's holding you back, you will have to train your brain just the same as I spend five days a week training my horses, right? You will have to train your brain to think something more empowering. It, it won't happen by itself. You have to put effort into it. I'd spend 30 minutes a day at least journaling and you know um, generating new meanings to the same outcomes you're getting all the time. You're ma we're making all of that shit up, all, all of it. The meaning that we attach to everything is made up. So if you're gonna make something up about it, it might as well be something that motivates you versus something that kills your try, okay? So, you know, whether or not you're making up a meaning about what your horse is doing, or you're making up a meaning about something I said to you, or you're making up a meaning about someone, someone you know, your results compared to someone else's, you're judging yourself, you're comparing yourself, all of those things, that's just habits you have. That's just, we have, okay? Those are just mental habits. And in order to get better ones that help us um, stay more progressive, you'll have to put some effort into it. It'll take some, um, neural linguistic programming <laughs> okay guys uh, uh what what's say you about our concepts here of uh oh uh jerry says it's more that i become dull to her half-assing me <laughs> that's when you send me video right because then i'll say she's half-assing you there <laughs> it, it is good to get feedback from someone who's outside of the you know, the emotional bond between us and our horses, right? Like, and the, the, the longer term the relationship has been with me and my horses, the more excuses I make for them. I make all kinds of excuses for Maxie. She is probably the naughtiest horse I own actually, <laughs> because uh, on a regular basis, I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. That's fine. You can, you, you don't have to, that's fine. <laughs> Cause she's, you know, put up with so much already. Um, so I just get more horses <laughs> so I can make up new excuses with the next one. But yes, um, being able to follow through and have, you know, gradually higher expectations 1% at a time. You know, if we keep upping the ante, then our horses will keep, you know, inspired to keep learning. They'll be inspired to keep learning. If we stop upping the ante, then they start questioning what's the point of all of this, right? The, to me, the, the most accessible purpose we can have to our horsemanship, you hear that all the time, right? Purposeful horsemanship and how important purpose is, yada, yada, yada. And a lot of times the, the follow-up to all that stuff is you need to give your horse a job. Um, I think it's dumb. I don't think that anybody, I don't want a job. Why would I give my horse a job? <laughs> um, but I, I, I get the, you know, the meaning behind it in that um, we all want to know that our existence is meaningful, right? That there's purpose to us being here and that we're not just here to take up space, you know, turn oxygen into carbon dioxide. So, um, or grass into manure, right? That there's more to life than turning grass into manure. And to me, the best thing, the most easily accessible thing we have to offer that provides purpose is learning. 
right? To keep them growing and, and learning and doing new things, understanding new things and being able to, um, you know, cope with new things and, and turn pressure into success. That, that kind of stuff is the most accessible tool we have in our belt for adding purpose. So in order to do that, we have to keep upping the ante, right? We have to keep honoring our horse's intelligence and, um, you know, abilities by gradually at their pace, expecting a little bit more each time we play with them. But the, the longer we've had our relationship, the harder that is to do. Uh, Alex says, I think of it as, I think of it as, and I think you've said this maybe learning the notes in order to create a song. Um, I don't think I've said that, but I love that Alex. It is definitely, um, uh, you know, that kind of process, right. That, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a musician. I like to call myself a musician, although, um, I haven't played my trumpet and probably since we moved here. No, I did play it last year. I was trying to, to, um, rehearse until I could play taps because Shane's uncle had passed and they wanted taps played at his funeral and asked if I could do it. I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> let me try. And so I had played it there for a little while. Um, but you have the, before you can play songs, you have to learn scales and arpeggios before you can play scales and arpeggios. You have to learn individual notes. And even as you learn the individual notes, you have to learn what to do with your instrument to generate just a note. <laughs> right? And then you have to re rehearse those notes enough that they become muscle memory. When the notes become muscle memory, then you learn how to put them together in a scale. Then when the scales become muscle memory, you can actually create your own music, right? All you need is, um, you know, a scale and a tempo and you're good to go. Like in a group, you can create your own music, like all together at like improv is my, was my, was, I haven't done it in a mil million years, but when I was a band nerd, um, my absolute favorite thing was to improvise. And it's actually my um, favorite thing to do with the horses too. Right. I love, especially on the ground to have, you know, he, you know, one-off experiences here and there um, where I just put on some music and just try to have a, a dance-like interaction um, with my horses. Right. I just want to dance with them, but we need to know the steps first in order to be able to do that. Um, Jan, no, I didn't, I did not play at his funeral. It turns out, um, you have to be affiliated with the, um, uh, the, the, uh, what's the vet association that's for like, uh, I'm having a brain fart. The people, you know, the people like that come and hold the flags and stuff. Um, they had their own guy. So they didn't need me, which actually was a, a blessing because I was sweating it. I was going to do it because I wanted him to have taps at his funeral. Um, and I and actually I was getting it worked out fairly quickly. But when they said, no, we got our own um, bugle player, I'm like, oh, phew, because <laughs> I actually have played taps at several military funerals when I was 16. The color guard. Yeah, that's that the color guard is who holds the flags. But I mean, like the military organization that um, you know, like the, like the VFW, you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, no, I didn't play it, but, um, I was getting there. I was getting there. I was going to, it was get, getting close. What else? What are some other thoughts you have about adjusting and what information, you know, like what perspective do you need to have in order to be able to adjust and that sort of thing? Questions, comments, confusions, or requests. 
there's quite a few of you here, so I can't keep you all on the screen at the same time. If you've got something, please just go ahead and unmute yourself and fire away. I sit in awkward silence. <laughs> Hi, Christy. Hi, Bonnie. Oh, Thank you for oh. rescuing me. Yeah, I'll rescue you from your awkward silence and your engaging grin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was kind of playing around with the pressure thing with the um, teeter-totter in the video that I sent you mm -hmm. as to how much I needed. And obviously I'm not using enough. Um, that was quite clear. And uh, <laughs> after the Zoom meeting, I'm going to go out and feed. When I'm done feeding, I'm going to pull her out and we're going to go back to it. And uh, I've probably been a bit more scattered than I should be because under saddle, I'm doing three or four things. On the ground, I'm doing three or four or five things. And it's kind of one day this, one day that, one day the other thing. Right. Um, so what do you think my top priorities should be um, for that, that three to five things to work on? I know flexion's got to be one of them, flexion yeah. and bending. Yeah. And both on the ground and in the saddle. Yeah. Yeah. You could do, um, uh, you know, you could keep the teeter-totter because that's a good example of where your relationship is at, right? You built her yeah. confidence up around the teeter-totter. Now she's confident about it. Um, so now you can use a little bit more pressure when she you know, chooses to, you know, make her way off the teeter-totter um, to say, hey, I'd like you to try a little harder, right? The goal is to teach her to associate comfort with the teeter-totter and discomfort with not being on the teeter-totter. And that way, when she chooses to go on the teeter-totter, we're not just, you know, moving her feet around with just enough pressure to do that. We're changing her mind about whether or not it's a good idea to be on the teeter-totter. So I definitely would stick with the, with the teeter-totter. Um, I think on the ground, I would probably also add um, swirl and twirl, right? So the swirl and twirl will continue to help advance your connection but um, it adds an element of responsiveness too, right? And, and keeping in mind, right, that with swirl and twirl or anything we do on the ground, guys, unless I'm asking a part of my horse's body to go sideways, my goal is to be able to communicate that request to her without using my stick. So if I do need to use my stick, I wanna make my point so that I don't need to use it the next time, or at least by the third time, I shouldn't need to use it, okay? So swirl and twirl with an awareness around how much do I need to use my stick to get things done, or can I just get it done with my body language? And then, you know, one other thing on the ground, I, I don't think it really matters, just something that develops um, relaxation. Maybe pick something from the relaxation module. And then um, I would just keep working on the flexion and bending exercises that you've been sending me on the written stuff too. You know, you can add in something more fun too. you know, a pattern, you know, you could keep doing the six barrel pattern. That's, that's a good, that's a good pattern to keep things interesting. Yeah. And she really seems to be getting the goal of it. So I want to keep that in our repertoire until, um, until we really get it all kind of coordinated. Right. Um, and I, I did get some numbers out of her the other day when I was writing her. Uh, I did the tap on the shoulder, three seconds, tap on the shoulder till she sped up and she got the yeah. idea of it. 
So at cool. the walk, we got a one, two, three. And at the trot, we got a one and a two. Um, also, the other thing is when she swings her hind on the teeter-totter again, when she, when she attempts to get all four feet on, she kind of side passes off of it with her butt. Should I bite her butt and move it over and tell her not that this? I, you don't even have to be that specific about it. It is a not that this um, strategy, but you don't have to tell her what the this is. She knows what the this is. So it's, it's this is how we feel when you're on the teeter-totter. And this is how, you how we feel when you decide to leave the teeter-totter without me asking you to, right? So you could just gen gen generally bother her, right? And, and again, because she's a sensitive girl, it won't take much, right? So mm -hmm. it, it's not about like whacking on her or anything. Just use enough pressure that she visibly looks bothered by it and make it obvious that the peace and harmony she is seeking it exists on the teeter-totter. Okay. And my last part of that is when she gets to the fulcrum point, which she's done twice now, she literally leaps in the air and jumps off sideways. She fears the, the movement of it going down. Yeah. Should... So that's, that's a competence issue versus, a, you know, teaching her to make better choices. So I would allow her to, to exit the teeter-totter if it's a confidence issue. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll do. Okay, cool. Thank you. That's, you're welcome. Thanks for piping in there, Bonnie. Um, Jan, you have a question? I didn't really. Um, I just wanted to fill the void of quiet. Um, and I thought I'd tell you what happened on Friday. Oh, but. good. Saturday no I went over on Sunday went over I spent Sunday Monday Tuesday with Leanne cool. and yeah. um you know I was just gonna fill a void I'm sorry no <laughs> but, I would love to hear how it went well um Sunday we just played online and then rode right at Leanne's where she boards uh -huh. and Annie was so had so much energy it was so fun to oh, see good. that way and wanting to move and um so was, you know we had been working on the canner which she's she did really well that day and we were doing traveling canner and um but then i was telling leanne about the sideways that we've been working on and you know how i'm showing her how to do it and it took quite a while for her to come down figure out i'm not asking you to go forward you know i'd like you to go sideways and Leanne made the comment. She said it was really interesting and fun to watch her figure it out. Cool. You know, what I really wanted. And when she finally got it, she said, oh, okay, you know, this is what you want. So it was just cool. kind of fun. It was fun. Excellent. Yeah. So I, I love that. Um, and did I talk to you guys about what the, the book, um, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life? I know I talked to you about the book, but in that book, Dr. Amons um, talks about how the cerebellum, which is the part of our brain that is responsible for coordinating movement. It also coordinates um, thought and words, but it coordinates our movement and that when we are, um, you know, uh, triggered, it, it goes offline, like in, in scans, it goes dark. So my thought is, is that if I can 
sort of exercise the cerebellum to stay online by asking and teaching my horse to get more and more coordinated in their movement by asking for more and more, you know, gradually complicated movement that, that, that will also improve their emotional fitness, right? That if I, you know, beef up the cerebellum, then it's less likely to go offline because there's, you know, been an external, you know, stimulus of some sort. Now that's just shit I made up about it, but I tell you, I, since I, um, listened to that book on tape, I really thought hard about it with, um, Gina, especially like, you know, they can't, they can't, they, they find it very difficult unless it's a spook, right? They find it difficult to go sideways in a thoughtful way if they're bothered, right? If they're, um, you know, what I, I mentioned, I think last week that, um, Jackie Chant calls that mental state being in the wilderness, right? We have our comfort zone, the window of trainability, and then beyond that is the wilderness. So if, if my horse starts to approach the wilderness, a way for me to bring them back into the comfort or into the window of trainability is by asking them for complicated movement that could be sideways, that could be obstacles, that could be backing, it could be figure eights, you know, just, just something more complicated than forward, right? Just plain, you know, forward. So um, that's fun stuff. Thanks, Jan. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Cindy, you have a question or a comment, something you'd like to contribute to the conversation? I do. Um, <clears throat> sorry about my funkety way of joining in, but I was actually writing. Okay. Today is my last day before I start school tomorrow. So, which is kind of relates to what I wanted to say. So um, I have ridden more this summer, probably than I ever have in my life. And because I don't, number one, I have the sense, I don't know how long this is going to last. You have this fear that she'll re-injure. Yeah. And, and also because I haven't been able to for a year and a half. So right now this big change in my schedule is going to come up. So I've found the last few weeks, I've been thinking about it a lot. Because as you know, when I go down there, I have a plan in my mind of what we're trying to um, improve on, which will help me be a better writer, but also help her stay sound. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, how can I keep this up and, and kind of actually not wanting to lose momentum on that. And also with my eating, which I've really changed, you know, how can I avoid going, I'm hungry and I don't have time to, you know, fix all the appropriate foods, you know, so I'll just get yeah. some. Yeah. So that's, that's another thing is with the change in seasons, it's really easy to let things kind of slip. Yeah. I think yeah, my, it is. My fear may keep me in line because it certainly did during the year and a half. Yeah. Hand yeah. Yeah. So I can relate to all of that, um, except having a job that takes me away from my horses, but <laughs> what will, what will happen here is winter, right? I do feel the, the impending, like, crappy weather that's going to prevent me from having the time that I crave with my horses. Um, and I feel, I feel your pain. I too have wrangled myself back around to like having a better attitude about, you know, eating better and making sure I get the exercise I need and doing what's right for my own, um, health. And I think that, um, it is important to recognize that the change of season, both because of the, the shorter days, right. That affects us emotionally like it's supposed to that's how we are designed by nature and um that has already started to happen right i can feel it <laughs> like the the looming sort of 
you know, gloom that can sometimes come with fall when the shorter days and the cloudiness and we, you know, we'll get a wet period in November usually and stuff like that. And, and losing the momentum, I really, oh, it would kill me right now to lose the momentum with Gina. I would just like, oh, um, and so I, I can relate to all of it. And, and all I can tell you is that there's not one single thing that I know of that we can do to, um, you know, keep things going. I know that I have to, I personally, so I'm just going to tell you what I, what I know for myself, that doesn't mean it's what the same for all of you, but hopefully it'll spark some stuff for you. I know I have to do stuff outside at least 30 minutes a day, every day, regardless of the weather. If I cannot get outside for at least 30 minutes in the sunshine and the fresh air and moving my feet, I'm lucky because I have these beautiful woods. I, I walk the dogs in the woods all year long. We keep a snowy path packed down <laughs> when there's snow and stuff. Um, so I, I remind myself, you can either make excuses because of the weather or and, and feel crappy, <laughs> or you can suck it up and go get this thing done that you don't really want to do right now, but feel better when you're done. So I have to keep reminding myself that there is there is an element of self-discipline in that. I, I, it's also important for us to, to acknowledge and recognize that our biological health affects the decisions we make, all right? So, and I read, you know, that really hit home to me when I read um, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, right? Anytime we do something, we make a decision that causes our bodies to um, cope, right? That to get defensive, whether that's making a poor food choice or, you know, um, not getting enough sleep, not getting enough water, um, all of those things affect our, our mental choices, right? Um, for instance, right? When, if we eat complex carbohydrates, they are biochemically designed to get us to make bad choices, right? When we, when we eat you know, the refined sugars and the chips as chips is I could give up sugar, honestly, but don't take away my chips. <laughs> but um, I love chips, man. But they make me make bad choices, right? The way that that um, that type of nutrition, if you want to call it that the way it affects my bloodstream, it causes me to make an, another bad choice and then another bad choice and then another bad choice. So each choice that we make that's for the good will help us to continue to make good, good decisions. But um, also, um, so, you know, the, our nutrition affects it, uh, whether or not we're getting all of the um, micros and macros that we need. That's why I'm back on track with getting all the um, um, supplements. You know, I, for a while had gotten off my supplements and stopped working with my nutritional therapist because it was expensive and, you know, the pandemic hit and I was trying to save money. And, you know, then before you know it, this one bad choice leads to that bad choice and so on and so on. And I, you know, so now I'm back on my supplements and I feel a lot more self-control, a lot more self-control because my body isn't craving the things that we can't get in our food anymore right? We have raped our soil to the point that no matter how good you try to eat, you're not going to get everything you need from the food that we eat. Maybe if you grow your own, it's possible. If you're, if you're, you know, really um, a great steward of the land, you're doing everything possible for the soil, you might come close, 
but most of us still need supplementation. And so, um, that has made a big difference for my mental health is getting back on some supplements and knowing what my body needs and, and where we're at with that. So if you need help with that, I highly recommend my good friend, Tina Matea. Okay. Now she, um, might be hard to get. <laughs> she started to sort of keep her, her clientele a little more exclusive, but, um, she'll, she'll help you find a resource one way or another. If that's something you want, then let me know. I'll put you in touch. Um, the other thing is the people we are surrounded by affect how we think, feel, and act, right? So if we are surrounded by negative people, if we are surrounded by people who, you know, look at the problem instead of seeking a solution, all of the, you know, it's a, it kills me. My husband is my worst enemy when it comes to my nutritional good choices, there is candy in the refrigerator right now. I'm like, oh, you're killing me here, man. Like Snickers and, and Reese's cups, Reese's peanut butter cups. I love those things, man. Come on. And I'm PMSing. Like what's, oh, it's killing me. Like, can you just <laughs> keep this stuff in the house? That, you know, those environmental influences matter. And then the last thing I would say to, you know, sort of bring it home is, um, we really need to put effort into training our brain, right? That's what, and, and it's what the kind of training you need is different for all of us. It, it might be meditation. It might be yoga. It might be something entirely different. I journal to try to get my thoughts out. I do a lot of journaling. And if you read my journal, half of it wouldn't even make any sense to you. It's not about like writing a novel or, you know, creating anything that makes sense to anybody but you. It's just a way to organize your thoughts, right? To get them out so you can look at them and go, oh, that's what I'm thinking, apparently. <laughs> Good to know. Let's, let's try to train something more productive, shall we? Okay, so journaling is a great way. Um, you know, prayer, all of those things, whatever, you know, gets you getting your brain in a, in a productive direction, okay? So I, my answer to you, Cindy, <laughs> is A, I feel your pain right? I'm, I'm right there with you in the trenches. I, I told you I'm, I'm, you know, in a spot, I've, I've gotten myself in a spot and I know Cindy, you can relate where I need in order to achieve my health goals. I need to be in a calorie deficit, a careful one, right? Not a huge one and do crazy stuff to your, you know, bloodstream and stuff, but a careful, deliberate calorie deficit until you know, my weight gets back to a place that it ensures that my joints don't hurt more than anything. And so it's frustrating. I don't like it. It's not satisfying. I said to my husband yesterday, I'm like, I literally feel hungry all the time. <laughs> it's like a constant feeling. My tummy is constantly gurgling. Like, why aren't we eating more? And um, the way that the meaning that I'm choosing to attach to that, because we make that shit up all the time. We're always making up the meaning. The meaning that I am attaching to that is, is that's the feeling of health, right? For right now, it's not forever. It's just for right now that in order for me to get back to where I have been and felt healthy, um, I'm going to have to endure some shit I don't want to do. You know, my, my coaching to myself is suck it up, buttercup, like put your big girl panties on and let's get this done. So then I can have you know, a, a little indulgence here and there and not have it be 
you know, um, the end of the world, but I can't, you know, I have to be disciplined right now or it's not going to work, right? Every time I make one bad choice, it leads to the next one and so on. Does that help you at all, Cindy? I got on a rant. <laughs> um, it, it does help me, you know, I mean, I was after our clinic, I just thought, you know, I have to do this because I don't want joint surgery. And I could tell I was influencing what my daughter ate, which was a eye opener. Mm. And so I said, okay. And the best thing I knew how to do is to go back on whole 30, which is very restrictive, but it also cleans things up. Right. And, um, cause there's no dairy, there's no grains, there's no sugar. <laughs> so, you know, then you get through your 30 days and you go, it's not meant to as a lifetime diet. So right, no. then it's like, okay, making some adjustments, the cravings are gone, but you, it's like, okay, I have, to, I don't want to open that Pandora's box. Cause I gain and lose the same 25 pounds my whole life. So me too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I have about 10 more to go and, and I want to keep losing, but it's, it's hard. Cause I'm like, I don't want to lose track with my horse or my health. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that if we stay focused on the consequences that those, you know, those long-term consequences of poor choices, we're, we're more likely to make, um, you know, choices in the moment that serve our goals versus, you know, that produce satisfying results right now, like mm -hmm. sacrifice the now for, you know, what I really want. But, um, you know, I, a lot of it is, it, well, I can only speak for myself when it comes to my, my nutrition and health and things like that. It's, it's not that we don't know what to do, right? It's not, it's, it's not rocket science to, to lose weight, right? Like that it's a, you, you just right. have to produce a calorie de deficit. The, the difficult thing is to get ourselves to do the right thing in order to achieve the results we desire. Right. And that comes down to, um, the choices we make. And that's, it still comes down to mental training. Right. And I say it to my horses all the time. And now I'm going to start saying it to myself. Like you can be upset right now. If you want to, that's fine. But it's not going to change the path that we're on. Right. The, my aunt Peggy words, right. My aunt Peggy who raised me would lay down the law about something and somebody would fuss and she'd say, that's fine you can get glad in the same pants you got mad in, but it's not going to change this rule, right? This rule is in place for a reason and it's there to, you know, teach you to be a good citizen or keep you safe, that sort of thing. And so I, that's what I've been t telling myself <laughs> every time I like have a second, I think for a moment, I'm going to eat one of those Snickers. I'm like, that's pissing me off. I want to eat one of those Snickers. And I tell myself, you can get glad in the same pants you got mad in the cho your choice is yours. You can either eat the candy and feel yucky about it afterwards, or you can suck it up right now, move on, go, get yourself busy, go do something else and feel better about it later. So, you know, it's, it's really also all comes down to accepting our own reality. The reality of it is I'm in a similar boat to you, Cindy, in that genetically I am predisposed to rheumatoid arthritis and diabetes and all of the bad things that come with making bad food choices. I'm also predisposed genetically and via conditioning to use food and alcohol as a way to numb, you know, unhappy feelings that, you know, were conditioned in childhood and things like that. So, um, I, it's not just a matter of like disciplining myself, but I also have to understand like, okay, I feel compelled 
to eat something that's going to make me feel good for a few minutes because something else is going on. What's this other thing that's going on and how else might I feel better? You know, I, you got to have alternatives in there too, because it, it, we do those things. It's a coping mechanism and we do those things for a reason. And um, you can't just eliminate the coping mechanism. You have to replace it with something healthy. Um, and that's a tough one. I, for me, the horses really help a lot. I really got to get outside. I got to get outside. I got to get outside. Good. Okay. Um, I think I got some comments in the chat. Let's see what we got going on in there. Uh, Alex says it is really difficult for me to adjust in the moment. I have to stop my feet to assess. Um, that's a very common um, process for lots of folks. I take so many breaks, Alex. Sometimes it's for me, because <laughs> like so I can think something through, and sometimes it's for my horse. But I think that's a good habit for us to get into. Like try a little something, then take a break. Try a little something, then take a break. I I think there that you'll learn to make micro adjustments if you do that process versus that if you just sort of put your head down and keep going. So I love that you. Um, stop your feet so that you can assess and then move forward in a thoughtful way. That sounds great to me. Um, Bonnie says, I can give up chips, but don't take my M&Ms. Oh, honey, M&Ms are a bag full of cancer. <laughs> There's so much bad stuff in M&Ms. Oh my goodness. My friend Tina would die if she heard you say you, you can't give up M&Ms. Um, and then Jan says, I've given up all processed sugars for three weeks now after one of our discussions it's gotten easier and I live and you live with a sugar junkie. Oh, my. sugar is more addictive than heroin, apparently. Like, you know, like biologically, neurologically in the nervous system. And we do need, we need glucose, right? The, 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 our, for our health, we do need glucose, but you can get glucose from, you know, fruit. <laughs> you don't have to eat cookies and cake and candy. I love all those things. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, we're not set up for success there. We have, you know, um, a, a Food, a food chain system that is for profit, you know, because we live in a capitalistic um, country and um, that, you know, affects the choices they make on the foods they offer us, you know, in our food chain. Um, yeah, go ahead, Jan. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead. No, that was all. I was mumbling. Oh, I was just um, going to say that there is a lot of sweets you can make with unprocessed sugar, with unrefined sugar, you can use date, uh, date as a sugar, um, or not molasses, but you know, there's just a lot of sugars out there that are better for you. And good carrot cake the other day, um, Leanne makes brownies and you know, there's all sorts of things. So I'm because you do miss it. And I, but yeah. I'm suggesting a lot of fruit too. Lots awesome. of fruit. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I should do some research on that because it's not sustainable to feel like, you know, you take out all the fun stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. There has to be an alternative. Yeah. There Otherwise, I'll just go back. Yep. Check it out. Uh, cool. I will. I'll, I'll investigate. Thank you. Jerry says alcohol metabolizes as sugar. Yeah. If I have dessert, I don't care about a cocktail. Uh, yep. That's it. That is um, very true. And Bonnie says, what if you don't like fruit? That is a problem, Bonnie. That's a problem. How can, you don't like any fruits, Bonnie? Not, not, not even like strawberries? Allergic to strawberries. Oh, no. Uh, I love well, this fruit. fruit. Have, you tried, have you tried dried fruit? Dried fruit? 
No, I don't like them either. You don't like no. bananas? Or a... No. Oh, I will wow. eat apple slices on rare occasion. Very rare occasion. But I have trouble biting into an apple. So it's got to be peeled and sliced. By the time I do that, it's like, forget it. I don't even feel like eating it anymore. I don't Man. like chewing. Anything that requires a lot of chewing, I, I get too tired. I start eating, I get tired. I don't, I don't stop eating because I'm full. I stop eating because I get tired of chewing. It's just well, put it in a smoothie. Put there it you a go. Smoothie. You can put it in a smoothie. Drink it. Um, I, if, that would be possible. If if eating makes you tired, um, that that is common, right? It's I call it the food coma, and it's why I don't like to do um, like talking education after lunchtime if I'm doing a clinic like I after lunch I try to get people's feet moving right away because you get sleepy after you eat but it's usually because um, the conditions of your stomach aren't you know optimal for digestion right so I would recommend either uh, probiotics or prebiotics or both like you, it, it may be a matter of needing you know better gut bacteria almost all of us probably suffer from some kind of poor gut health in, unless you're like impeccable with your di um, diet the American diet creates a lot of gut health problems and you know a great a huge portion of our nervous system is in our digestion and so um, when we have poor gut health, we will make bad choices, right? It'll, we'll struggle emotionally and, um, you know, we'll have cognitive struggles as far as like, you know, retention and being able to um, learn new things or grab new co concepts. You know, uh, it, our gut health has a huge impact on our well-being and, and mentally, emotionally, not just, you know, physically. And um yeah, so I take uh, probiotics every day. But I mean, there's more to it than that. Like eating bone broth, you know, consuming bone broth is a good way to heal your gut. Um, aloe vera juice can um, he heal your gut. I've never tried aloe vera juice though, because that sounds gross. <laughs> but I will. I, Same I, here. I, sounds I gross. Will, I will do bone broth. I and I'll I, and I'll put bone broth in in food. You know, like I'll use bone broth instead of you know, water to cook rice or, you know, stuff like that. But um, yeah, spend some time thinking about your gut health. As soon as I get into a house and I'll buy a blender and I'll try to make some fruit smoothies of some kind. Um, you know, we've been doing some bone broth. My husband does most of the cooking. So he's been buying um, chicken thighs, cooking them on the grill, saving the broth and making chicken vegetable soup out of it. It's Ooh. pretty good. It's not too bad. Um, it tends good. to get a little spicier, but it's okay. So <laughs> I can good. drink that. That I can take in a cup and go. Fair <laughs> I don't enough. Want to sit and eat too much time. <laughs> oh my goodness! I could eat all day. If you said, <laughs> if you said, like, if you can't, if you don't have horses, what, what, what would you want to do? I'm like, give me a big old bag of chips and and a thing of dip and a pop, just like stuff my face all day i could uh it's, but we all have our we all have our uh cross to bear right <laughs> um sue says she thinks bone broth sounds gross you know it does sound gross and some the way that some people make it there's a it, it i don't like to watch it being made because 
what it's made with is gross, but just the broth itself is usually delicious. I don't, I don't make it myself, but, um, uh, you know, like chicken bone broth just tastes like really bland chicken soup. It doesn't have a lot of like dramatic flavor to it. And, and beef bone broth is, is pretty similar. It's just like beef vegetable soup or, you know, some kind of beefy soup, but really bland. Um, and like I said, I don't very often, sometimes in the wintertime, I will just like heat up a cup of broth and drink it um, more as a supplement than like, because I'm like, Ooh, I want a cup of broth. <laughs> I'll be like, Oh, my guts hurt. I'm going to, I need to, you know, get some broth in me. Um, but, uh, I, I add it to a lot of recipes. If, if, if a recipe is like a, a main dish and it's, there's meat in it and the recipe calls for a cup of water, I'll use a cup of bone broth, you know? So if it's a red meat dish, I'll use beef broth. And if it's, you know, a poultry dish, I'll use chicken broth. Um, but yeah, it, that, you know, all of that affects our, our, the quality of our life. And I, my, I, you know, I think when it comes to, um, the choices we make for ourselves, we often either just do what we've witnessed, right? Like follow the examples of the people who went, you know, raised us or we actively rebel against it, right? My, the quality of my mother's life, my, my mom had me very young. So she's actually just turned 66 this summer. So she, you know, should have lots of quality to her life right now. There's not a lot of reason not to, um, but between the quality, the lack of quality in her, her nutrition and her inability or unwillingness to recognize that the way that she thinks about things is toxic and that is also affecting her health. Um, you know, she's just doomed to, you know, continue to, um, deteriorate. Like she's already becoming a shut-in at 66 years old. I was speaking with her the other day and she informed me that everything that she's done in the last year has been in an effort to leave the house as little as possible. That is so not good for you. <laughs> you need to get out of the house like to, it's terrible guys but I mean what very few mothers are going to hear a daughter go that's really unhealthy and then make a better choice right like all I could do is go oh okay <laughs> like that's not I, I I wish you would not do that but oh, okay so there you go guys I think that's enough of us rambling unless somebody's got something desperate to, to say or add I think we're good um, thank you for indulging that conversation this week. I feel really good about it. I hope you do too. And, um, I'd love to hear from you. Keep sending me videos, um, emails, questions, keep me up to date, what you got going on in your horsemanship life. I love hearing from you and I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>